I love, I love the fall, and I love when it starts turning a little chilly, and I uh, love the Christmas season. Looking so forward to decorating this week, and uh, want to thank all of you for being with us today. Those of you joining us online, we want to thank you for being with us as well. And uh, you know, it's 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 been a many months now that we've been looking at the kingdom of God, the invisible kingdom. We spent a good solid eight weeks on, and then I shared with you about six weeks on uh, men of the kingdom. We're on uh, the, the, the women of the kingdom now, and I want you to notice with me today, I want to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 10 through 17. While you're turning there, let me just uh, kind of enter with a, a story we're all familiar with. It's not biblical. It's not a biblical story. It's, it's one that Walt Disney made popular many years ago. Uh, we've all heard about the beautiful young lady named Cinderella, right? It's a folk tale. Walt Disney made it popular. But I was actually researching that story, and that story is ancient. The story is actually rooted in an ancient story called Rhodopis. And it is a, about a Greek slave girl who marries the king of Egypt. And it was actually around sometime between 7 B.C. and 23 A.D. So put that in perspective Jesus could have heard this story. Not necessarily the way Walt Disney told it, but in its original form. So the story has been around literally since the time of Jesus. And as I consider this story, I'm thinking of women today, women of the kingdom, because I know we have an enemy that is a lot like this wicked stepmother and the stepsisters. Cinderella felt ugly. She lived with a wicked stepmother and two equally wicked stepsisters. They made Cinderella their slave. We know the story. And she's, yet she's beautiful, but she didn't think of herself as beautiful because of the influence of a wicked environment that constantly put her down, that lied to her over and over and reduced her basically to nothing. And the problem with Cinderella, was that she was stuck there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt stuck where you are? She was locked in her situation, and for a long time, she couldn't get out. Now, you know the story. You know about the ball. You know about how she was miraculously transported there in a a pumpkin made into a carriage. And at that ball, she meets a prince. Everybody say, the prince. And the prince sees Cinderella and loves her, but the problem in the story is that the clock struck midnight, and she reverted back to her old self. She became a slave again to an evil family, but the good part of Cinderella's story is that though she has been reverted back to what she was, that prince never forgot her. Even though a lot of people had been at the ball, something about Cinderella made her stand out from the crowd, and she was special 
to the prince. She was valuable. She was rare. Everyone wanted the prince, but the prince wanted Cinderella. And he had to work to find her. We all know the story. She left the shoe behind, and if he could find the foot that fit the shoe, he'd find Cinderella. So he set out going house to house in search of his treasure, and as the story ends, after a long, hard search, the prince finally found her, and they lived happily ever after, right, as Walt Disney stories go. And you say, well, Pastor, why would you use that story? Because I believe many women today are living like Cinderella. They're influenced by a wicked step-parent, the devil, who has two wicked daughters, the world and the flesh, living as slaves in a hostage situation where many of them feel trapped in a hopeless scenario. And maybe this describes you in some way, or those of you watching online. Maybe you thought you would be further along than you are right now. Maybe you had a brighter dream of how your family would be, or your career, or your relationships. And you know, it's easy to lose heart when you can't see an end to your problems. But I want to remind you today, and this is the subject and title of my message, I'm talking about women of the kingdom, hope. The Bible says that there abides three things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of those is love. But church, let me tell you something. You cannot serve God without faith because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. If you don't have love, you're not like God, but when you come to know God, God gives you the ability to love like He loves if you let him. But there's always that third one that we don't really talk about as much, and it's hope. But I believe that today we live in the world of 2022 where hope has been taking a huge hit, not only in America, but all over the world. And people's hope is kind of like lying dead in the street. But yet Jesus, just like this story of Cinderella, comes in as the prince and provides hope. And so I want you today to know that even though so many people today have given up hope of ever seeing things change for the better, and that Cinderella is only a story, yet I want you to know that the Bible truly does give us an actual account of a woman who has been limited. Everybody say limited. She has been limited by bondage that's caused by the devil. Everybody say, by the devil. And I want you to see in this passage of Luke chapter 13 that she faces her own ongoing struggles that kept her from living out her destiny. Chapter 13 to the book of Luke, verses 10 through 17. I'm just going to read them through. I'm reading from the New American Standard. This is the 1977 version, so it may be a little bit different than the one that's going to be up there. I think that's 1995. It says in verse 10, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues, 
on the Sabbath. I want you to notice Jesus was in church every Sabbath. It was his habit. It's where he was at. Isn't that amazing? And behold, there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness, now mark this, caused by a spirit. And she was bent double, and she could not straighten up at all. How many ever feel like, man, I just can't straighten up? Doesn't seem to matter what I do, I just can't seem to straighten up. She could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands upon her, and immediately, somebody say suddenly, she was made erect again and began glorifying God. And the synagogue official, indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the multitude in response, there are six days in which work should be done, therefore come during them and get healed, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, now watch this, watch what he calls her, this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said this, as he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated, and the entire multitude was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. So in other words, what he did created a an event that, that, that went through the crowd. How many of you know crowds are powerful? This crowd was literally rejoicing because of what he did. And I will tell you something, peer pressure has power. It's just that the devil seems to occupy, a, occupy it a lot. But I want you to know that positive pressure also is powerful. And these people, the Bible says, the whole multitude was rejoicing over the glorious things being done by him, and that was humiliating to these church leaders. Now, I want you to also understand something, that there is something very, very different from religion and relationship. Because what Jesus was always after was relationship. Remember the woman at the well last week? It was all about relationship. And he started where she was last week, and I want you to know he does the same thing this week. Hope. Here is a woman who for 18 long years had a seemingly unfixable problem that doubled her over literally like the hunchback of Notre Dame, to reference another Walt Disney movie. She literally couldn't straighten up on her own. How many of you know people that just cannot seem to straighten up? Well, I want you to know it's because they need Jesus. You see, she consistently, think about this, if she's doubled over, what is she seeing? She's seeing the ground. She is constantly only seeing the ground because of her condition. Because of her condition... She couldn't look up. Now, think about that. If you can't look up, where's your hope going to go? 
Where's your thoughts going to go? Where are your emotions going to go? Where are your feelings going to go? There was no one who could straighten her up or who could help straighten things up for her so she could never fully see things as they really were because of her bondage. Her perception, not only of herself, but also of the whole world around her, was distorted. But her issue was not only one of health. Church, it was also one of habit. Now walk with me on this. Because it had gone on for so long. If you have been in a situation for 18 years, that's a long time for you to have your world adversely affected by something that you yourself did nothing to deserve and you have no power to change. And I want you to also notice here, the church wasn't helping her. The leaders of the church didn't pray. They didn't release her of it, but she was faithful to synagogue. And this woman's life must have been, just just out of my own thinking, it must have been filled with discouragement day after day and month after month and year after year. It would be easy to believe that this woman had lost hope. Is there anyone listening today that are able to identify with her or with Cinderella in any way? A pain or a problem that just won't seem to go away and you feel like you're stuck in a position that doesn't offer any hope out of your situation. Now, I want us all to see this today, that while this woman's outward problem was physical, many trials can force your head and your heart downward, whether or not they're physical, or they're emotional, or they're spiritual. It could have been something hurtful that someone has said to you that has kept you emotionally crippled for so long. It may be something a person said or a person did, but I want you to know, and God wants you to know today, that you're not alone. I want you to know that many women today feel bound by emotional, spiritual, or physical pain. It could be that you have feel, you feel like, man, I have followed God's word. I have honored him with my life, but somehow he just has not held up his end of the deal. But whatever it is that has you doubled over, downcast and doubting, and is distorting your view of life and of yourself, I want you to know that there is hope out of that situation, through it. You know, David says this in the book of Psalm, chapter 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why will I do that? Because the Lord is with me. And I want to remind you today that if you are searching after the Lord, if you are walking with God, He, on the day you asked Him to be with you and to walk with you, has never left you. Your sight. It's a lot like the footprints in the sand. The footprints we're seeing are not ours. They're His. 
Because he's the one carrying us. Being a woman of God, I want to just tell you today, is, is not summed up by just going to church more or doing more good deeds. I want you to hear this. It is connecting with the one who gives you hope. Connecting with him. Remember, the connecting God. Do you remember Adonai? Do you remember Jehovah? Yahweh? Jehovah Jireh? Do you need him to be your provider? That's the God who connects with you. Lord, I need you to be my, my peace. Oh, he's there. He's he Jehovah Shalom. He will show up that way. He's not just God somewhere up in. He is a relationship God. Now, what happened is, is this woman who was bent over was in the synagogue. Everybody says she was in church. For 18 years, this woman most likely went to church, sang songs, listened to God's Word, gave in the offering, but she was no further along in being set free from her bondage than on the very first day she came. She had learned to settle in her circumstances. If you don't get anything out of this service today, get this, don't settle and don't quit. Don't settle and don't quit. And I'll also say this, don't get weary in well-doing because you will receive the prize if you don't grow weary. Now, I want you to notice what happened in verses 12 and 13. Look at this again. When Jesus saw her, just like the woman at the well, he asks something of her. He called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. Notice he called her over. In other words, she had to leave where she was and go to where he was. Now, now think about what he's asking her to do. She can't even see where he's at. She's been over double. She can't see where he is, but she hears where he is. The woman at the well, Jesus said, give me a drink. Then he said, go get your husband. You see, he, 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 he met them right where they were, and as she came, he said, woman, you are freed from your sickness. And then the Bible says in verse 13 that he laid his hands on her. <sighs> Immediately. She's made erect again. 18 years of being bent double over. In one touch from Jesus, and she's immediately whole. I've heard this phrase before, and I'm going to say it to you. One touch from Jesus can change your life forever. Just one touch. Just a touch from the master's hand. And the Bible then says she was made erect again, and now notice what she did. She glorified God. She knew who to give praise to. Did you know that you can go to church for even 18 years and never meet Jesus? Did you know that you can be in the right place and still miss him? But when Jesus saw her, he dealt with her differently than he did anyone else and than anyone else did to her. 
Everyone else dealt with the fruit. But listen to this. Jesus dealt with the root. And there's a huge difference. You see, a lot of people want to fix your fruit. But your fruit will never be fixed if you don't get your root fixed. Because it's from your root that your fruit comes. Now, I want you to notice this. Twice in this passage, we are told the cause of her problem. Verse 11 says it was caused by a spirit. Verse 16 says, literally goes right to the bullseye, Satan caused this issue to this woman of Abraham. She's a child, a daughter of Abraham. So church, listen to me. Her issue was not the issue. The being bent over wasn't the issue. It was the symptom. Being bent over was the fruit. Being discouraged is the fruit. Being bound is the fruit, not the root. So you take care of the root, you get rid of the fruit. And Jesus has the power to get rid of the root. And that is so important to know because if the problem is caused by the enemy, listen to me, church, a doctor can't solve it. Surgery won't fix it. Counseling won't fix it. You can't talk it out, walk it out, shop it out, drink it out, or drug it out. And if the problem is spiritual, it needs a spiritual solution. And so the reason why so many people end up bound by issues is that they try to address the circumstances rather than going to the one who can remove the circumstances. That's why the government's never going to be able to fix all the problems in our society, ever. You cannot get the church out of the equation because the church is the power of God on the earth. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his eyes. We are his, we're, we're the hands of God. We can now lay hands on the sick and see him recover. That's what Jesus said. But as long as the devil can keep you thinking about the fruit, you'll never get rid of the root. And that's where he wants to keep you. Looking at the problem, looking down, being disappointed being discouraged, being doubtful. And I want to tell you something about the devil. And I've shown you this through the, the, the kingdom series and on the, 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 the men as well as the women. The devil will let you keep your religion. Notice that when he, when he went to Eve, he said, hath God said... Did Elohim say? Did power God say? He took away the Lord. He didn't say, hath the Lord God said. Because you see, here's the thing. Jesus said this about people. He said, there will be many in that day at the end of time, at the end of the the age that will say, Lord, Lord, and I never even knew them. They didn't know me as Lord. They knew me as God. They knew there was a God. Listen, church, the demons know there's a God. Are any of them going to heaven? No, because they don't know him as Lord. He's not Yahweh. He's not Adonai. He's not personal relationship Jesus. He'll let you keep your religion. He'll let you keep going to your 12-step programs. He will let you keep talking to your friends about it all the time and make New Year's resolutions until they're coming out your ears. 
He doesn't mind all that because he knows that all of those are fruit-based, not root-based. Now, notice with me something in verse 13. Let's bring that back up again. This woman's solution, are you all with me okay? Everybody good? After 18 long years, I just, I just got I to gotta, I gotta go back to this for just a second. It came, the answer came suddenly. It was just an, a suddenly of God. It was an immediate thing. After Jesus touches her, immediately. After Jesus touches her, suddenly. What does she do? She straightens up. She's made erect again. 18 years of struggling, immediately removed. One touch from Jesus changed her life forever. With Jesus, church, listen, it doesn't have to take a lot of time to change your view. Didn't take long for Saul. Remember when Stephen's getting stoned in front of everybody? They're literally throwing stones at him after he's preached. There's a man holding the robes. His name is Saul. Guess what? He becomes the Apostle Paul before the book is done. We're in the book of Acts. You probably, those of you that have been reading chronologically already read this. He meets God uh, as he's out fixing to do the devil's work, going to Damascus to grab some Christians and drag them by the hair and throw them into jail. And when he does that, all of a sudden, one time, God just says, hey, you know what? We're going to light up your world, boy. And the Bible says that there was a great light that came and knocked him off his high horse, blinded him, and said, now you go to my servant, and my servant is going to fix your eyes. And he speaks to his servant, and he says, uh, guess what? I'm going to send you Saul, the persecutor of the church, and you're going to pray for him. And uh, he's going to come to you. He won't be able to see, and I want you to lay hands on him, and he's going to get healed. And he was like, what? You're bringing to me the arch enemy of the church, the dude that held the coats of all the people who stoned Stephen? He's like, yep, that's that. That's your call. How would you like to have that job? And he did. But you know what? When Saul got to him, he was a humble man. He couldn't see a thing. But after that, He got saved. And you know what? He went in and started preaching in the community that this all happened in. And the people who were God followers were watching this guy preaching. And they're like, this is our enemy. This is Saul. Guess what? One touch from Jesus will change your life forever. And it doesn't take long to change your view. We've got to go back to this one more time. Go back to verse 12 again because I, I, I want to repeat this. It's easy to get to the solution, but it's not always easy for the person to get to the solution. Because what Jesus asked her to do, he said, when he saw her, he called her over. Say this, called her over. In other words, he's asking her to do something that is very difficult for her to do. Not impossible, but difficult. He asked her, come to me. Now, here's the thing. Jesus could have gone to her. But this also shows that when you get something for nothing, you don't quite appreciate it as much. David said, I don't want to give God anything that doesn't cost me something. 
Don't just, don't just give me this hill. I'm going to pay for it to make my sacrifices. Now, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about hope. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about those things that you need. She had to make her way to Jesus in faith. Now, faith is going to be another thing we're going to look at here uh, in, in further messages, but she, she had to have faith because she couldn't stand up straight enough to see him, as I said earlier. She couldn't stay where she was, is my point, and get to him. She could not remain in that pain and get healed too. She had to leave that place in order to see his face. And when she did, boom, immediately she's made whole. Her life, her body, her problem straightens up. And the devil is sent running. Jesus has power over Satan, folks. Even if you've been dealing with the problem for 18 years or more, his power still works. Because he goes to the root. And you know, one of the easiest ways to get a Christian off track, and the devil knows this. If you've never read C.S. Lewis's little book called Screwtape Letters, I encourage you to get online, find it, and buy it, and read it. Because it is an account of demons discouraging Christians. Wormwood and screw tape, names of demons. One is mentoring the other on how to keep Christians down. And if you can discourage them, you can defeat them. But church, I want to tell you something. If the devil can't discourage you and the devil can't... uh, deceive you, he can't defeat you. But the first step most of the time to defeat is discouragement. I've seen this time and again. When you feel tired and you want to give up and you have lost hope, your head and your perspective only sees what's down, just like the woman that has bent double over. Your shoulders begin to droop. You forget about a future that is waiting for you to go out there and go get it. If you will listen to me today, you will hear the voice of the Lord in this. If you are facing hopelessness right now, I want you to listen to Jesus. I want you to hear him call your name. Hear him call your name. He does not want you to quit. He wants you to come over to him, and he wants you to to do so in faith and not lose your hope. He wants you to come closer to him so he can put his hands on you and change your life suddenly, whatever your situation is. You know, I was thinking this week about how to illustrate this. And I know what it's like to run a race, and it feels like you can't finish it. It feels like, man, I, I'm, I'm out of steam. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29, I don't have a scripture up here for you. Just listen to this and write it down if you will. Isaiah forty twenty nine. Somebody needs to hear this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to everyone who's weary. And he will increase. How many of you need increased power? To the weak. My freshman year in high school, 
I lettered in track. But I've got a story to share with you on how I did that. Because in the sport of track and field, I was always a sprinter. Give me the 50-yard dash, the 100-yard dash, the 220-yard dash, and I was fine. I could do that race. I won many blue, red, and white ribbons for those distances, but the most special track and field award that I ever received did not come from the short race. It did not come from sprinting. It came from long distance, and I'm not gifted in that. Now, the real long-distance star in track and field in my family has always been my older brother, John. He was a pro at running the 880 yards, the mile, the two-mile. I mean, after that first lap of the 440 yards, he may not be leading, but he was right there in the pack. But something always happened with him. It seemed around the last 110 yards left in a race. He would get what we know now as the second wind. Have you ever had that? I never got that. It it, it was like afterburners kicked in. He would shoot out from the pack and blow them all away and break the finish line ribbon in first place. Well, in my freshman year, my brother was not running track that year because I believe if he had, I would not even have this story to tell to you today. He'd be telling it. But one day, the track coach told us all to line up at the starting line. This toward the end of the season, and he said, now, the first four runners that crosses the line after one lap around the track you are going to represent Elkhart, Kansas at the regional track tournament in the two-mile relay. Now, the two-mile relay is made up of four guys, each having to run two laps around the track. And in my day, it was yards, 880 yards, not 800 meters, still the same thing, but 880 yards is how we did it. So we all line up. He said, you're going to go one lap around, and we all line up at the start, And we begin to run, and in front of me, as we're running, are all these upperclassmen. And as we round the last corner and are coming into the finish line, I see that there are only three guys in front of me. And when we cross the finish line, I'm number four. Man, I'm number four. I'm not number five. I got to run the two-mile relay. I made it. I made the two-mile relay team, and I'm the only freshman on the team. And the coach told us, he said, now, if you place in the top six in regionals and you run this race, you will letter in track. So we go up to regionals, and we run the race. And when it comes my turn to run, I'm doing okay after the first lap, as I say. That's about my limit. But about 220 yards into the second lap, I'm feeling like I'm going to literally die because my lungs are burning, my, my legs are burning, every part on me that can burn is on fire. 
And I am waiting for what happened to my older brother. I'm waiting for that second wind. It never came. I don't know where that second wind is. I've never experienced it. I've never had it. I don't even know what it feels like, ever. And i got to be honest with you today. At that point in that race, I felt like quitting. I, I felt like, literally, I couldn't do anymore. My, my legs felt like noodles. They felt like they were on fire. And it was the hardest race that I had ever run. My body wanted to quit, but I could hear something going on on the sidelines. I could hear my teammates. They were cheering me on. You know what I heard? Come on, David. Don't quit. Keep going. You got this. Keep pushing. You can do it. Well, after my leg of the race was over, I think it was the second leg, I literally went onto the football field, and like that woman in the synagogue, you know what I did? I bent double over trying to catch my breath. But I kept my eye on my teammates that were running the rest of the race. And you know what? Every one of us finished. And we finished in the top six. And I lettered that year in track. I was the only freshman that actually even had a, a letter of any kind in high school because of that. Not because I was good at it. Please, everybody, say he wasn't good at it. Because if my brother had been running track that year, he, not me, would have that letter because he probably would have blown everybody else that was on that team. He would have been the leader. So that would have made me fifth, and I would have gotten my wish. So I blame this on my brother. I really, church, literally, I got that letter because of him. But I still had to line up. I had to go to the line, and I had to run the race. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. You may not be the fastest. You may not be gifted like someone else is gifted. You may be running a race right now that feels like you're going to die because you're not gifted to run this thing. And it hurts so much for some of you even to breathe. But Jesus is your older brother, and he's letting you run the race. He's with you in the race, but he's on the sidelines. And you're not alone. Others are running with you. Your legs aren't the only ones hurting. Your lungs aren't the only ones burning. Others are cheering you on. And no one wants you to win more than Jesus himself. Folks, Jesus is real. The relationship he wants to have with you is real. So right now as I close, if you feel bent, doubled, over and you cannot seem to straighten up, I just want to tell you, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Stay in the race. Finish strong. There's a reward for you. For that, that woman that day bent double, it was freedom from spiritual, physical, and mental bondage. And when Jesus told her to come to him, she could have made excuses as to why she couldn't. She could have said, you know what, I've tried church already. She could have said, uh, my back hurts, you know. She could have said, I don't want to be disappointed again. Instead, she reached out in faith with hope, and suddenly, immediately, 
18 years of bondage was removed. And in verse 16, Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. He called her who she really was. She was a woman of promise. She was a woman of the covenant God made with Abraham, and Satan was messing with her just like he's messing with some of you. But listen, you are a woman of God, of his kingdom, and God does not want you to live bent over double anymore. Guys, even us, we can get some things out of this. He doesn't want your head down anymore. He wants you to fix your eyes on him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? Come on, somebody. Amen? Can you hear him? He's calling your name. He's cheering you on. Let's stand to our feet as we bow in prayer today. Lord, we know you're always speaking. You're always watching. You're looking. You're looking for us. Like that prince in the story looking for Cinderella, you're looking for us. Here we are, Lord. I pray that you would grant hope to those who seem to have lost it. I pray, Lord, that it will turn into faith that when you speak for them to come, they go directly to you. And I pray, Lord, as you lay your hand on them, that suddenly, immediately, their situation changes. Lord, we pray that you would make us aware of this invisible kingdom that's around us, your kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, Lord, that Jesus came to show us and to teach us. I pray, Lord, just as you've helped teach us as men what it meant to be a man of the kingdom, that, Lord, you would speak to the hearts of the women today, that they would be valued, they would feel valued, and, Lord, they would also have hope today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we go our way this week, Lord God, that we would not stay where we've been, but we would go deeper and deeper in you. And if you receive that, would you just say a big amen? God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great week. We'll see you hopefully this Wednesday night. God bless you. You're dismissed.